0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Big Chill Podcast. You are now listening to Episode 21, The Bane Situation. Welcome, everybody, to another Monday edition of the Big Chill Podcast, where I'm sure we're going to have quite a few overreactions from the group here, especially in Mr. Eddie Hewitt, who joins us just a little late from... uh, a few pints while he can still get them in Paris. So Eddie, did you have like a last hurrah here before they close down the bars and your life becomes miserable again? You don't have internet, now you don't have a place to drink.
1: (laughs) I mean, my life is always miserable, right? (laughs) Like, we're not, we're not. (laughs) The lockdown has nothing to do with that factor. But that being said, yeah, tonight's the last night of bars. But most of the bars I go to are technically classified as restaurants, so I'm fine yeah no internet no bars life's looking pretty bleak for me (laughs) oh and actually i was thinking about this
0: today um i know very early on when we kind of just started the podcast we were talking about the icebreakers uh for like the zoom things and stuff like that and i was just thinking again because it came up in another zoom call today uh, for recruiting for students for next year, like what, how we should do it on Zoom and things like that. And I was like, oh, I had this great idea. We should do icebreakers. And I was telling them some of the questions. We never got your answer. So who would play you in a movie, Eddie?
1: I mean, I've said Vince it, Vaughn. It's, it's obviously Vince Vaughn.
2: Vince Vaughn's the good is. one.
1: <laughs> no, that's a pretty good, you know, I thought, I mean, I, I
0: thought about it. I thought Chris Pratt, but before he got in shape, when he was on like Parks and Rec, Chris Pratt.
2: Parks yeah. and Rec, Chris Pratt. Okay. I'd like to think, I'd like to think
1: Parks and Rec, Chris Pratt. Cause I'd like to think my upside is non-Parks and Rec, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, re- realistically, it's Vince Vaughn. Are you okay with it being Vince Vaughn? Yeah, that's fine
0: because oh, so, some people hate Vince Vaughn, so
1: I mean, yeah, he's he a very is, controversial person. I think. Well, he's a conservative world. dickhead, right? And we don't want to get political. But that being said, no, like, I just I didn't even mean he, from that. I just spent from like an
0: acting standpoint. Some people think he's really. Uh, annoying. He's
1: limited. He, okay. He's limited in his range. That
3: Actually, said, you know what?
1: It is a good one because he just kind of just keeps pressing
0: home the same joke over and over, kind of like you do. You just never let go of anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: true. <laughs> And also, like, right, he dated Jennifer Aniston. So
3: can I complain about being compared to someone who dated Jennifer Aniston? No. What kind of Vince Vaughn are you, though? Are you, like, dodgeball Vince Vaughn or, like, true detective Vince Vaughn? Oh, I'm not true detective. No one's true, true detective, detective
1: Vince Vaughn. <laughs> no, no one's that. I'm, I'm pre, I'm comedic era Vince Vaughn, which is, like, you had a little bit of you might've been going somewhere, then your life went down the wrong path and now you're funding a dodgeball team to try and save your life.
2: You know, that's me. That kind of hits home with the softball story, actually. Oh, I mean, it's not far It off. is. It's, it's like the true underdog story, it's perfect. I'm about 10 years away from just being the, you
1: know, like the guy funding that softball softball team and I'm throwing throwing, you know, wrenches at Tim hoping that he hoping he can catch
2: him.
0: Uh,
1: I can't see. With that,
0: then you have to be the guy in the wheelchair. That's not Vince Vaughn anymore. <laughs> that's Hula's a O'Houlihan. Patch, okay.
1: O <laughs> okay. <laughs> you go from Vince Vaughn yeah, that's to do the... In t- fairness. To patches O'Houlihan. Hold on a second. You know,
2: like, my softball coach is called Dick Van Ham, so we're not far off here. On the, on wait, our... wait, Dick... Wait, Ham as in the food or Han as in like the German name, Han? No, as the food.
1: Dick, Dick Van Ham, like the food. That is my <laughs> softball coach. He is an 82-year-old softball coach of ours.
3: I wouldn't call him a softball coach. That implies
0: like he, he's like getting paid to coach your team. He's just no, he just happens to be in- the guy who cares the most. <laughs>
1: No, 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 he pays for our team. He pays our entry fee in every league we play in. Yeah,
0: but he coaches in our... baseball wait, don't wait. pay for their team to be in the like the playoffs. Wait, Eddie, is he your
1: softball sugar daddy? In essence, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: and it's true because he likes to recruit big, muscular men. That's like one of his things. He likes to recruit people who like are are there for like foreign service and things like that.
1: <laughs> that being said, we did one spring, Tim from his gym once brought like the UCLA third string quarterback was studying abroad in Paris for a semester, which they were like, don't do this. You're ruining your football career if you do this. And he was like, look, I'm the third string quarterback. What the hell do I care? Like like, football's done for me. And he came to Paris to study abroad and Tim met him in a gym and he was like, "Hey, <laughs> we I- won't go any
0: further into that part of the yeah. story.
1: <laughs> how, how they <laughs> met? How they met? Who knows?" But he was like, "Hey, you know, come out and play softball with us." I'm assuming if you're the third string quarterback for UCLA, you must have a pretty good arm. And the guy was like, "Yeah, was and be division- athletic." Yeah. yeah, he was like, "I'm a Division A." He was 21 at the time. He's like, "Yeah, I'm a Division One baseball recruit in addition to being UCLA third string quarterback." And this guy came out and he came, he came out to our softball team and Dick Van Ham was like, so have you ever played college, college baseball? And the kid was like, no, because I've been playing college football. Like ever since I went to college, Dick Van Ham was like, okay, you're on the bench.
2: This kid, was like, <laughs> this, kid, this kid was like the most talented baseball player we'd ever had. like." legitimate chance of potentially making the majors. <laughs> He's just like, no, you're gone. Bold move. Bold move to bench him. <laughs> I mean,
1: you have strict rules. You have to admire Dick Ham. He has, He has specific rules, and he adheres to them. No one, yep. no one gets by them. No. So good.
0: Yeah, I think Tim said his name was like Josh Rosen or something,
1: right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he's had a mediocre, (laughs) mediocre uh, professional career so far.
0: Yeah, I remember when Tim said he met him in a bathhouse. I mean, (laughs) Jim. Sam, how are you doing out there? Sam has racked in thousands upon thousands of dollars because he's gone anti Apple on us,
3: apparently. Yeah. I just, so I just sold a load of stuff on eBay and I got really annoyed when someone didn't pay and then they came through with the payment received and he's called Muhammad Ali and I'm now not convinced that I've legitimately got the funds.
2: <laughs> I'll find Wait, out. Wait,
1: what did you sell? Uh, like a bunch phone. of butterflies and a bunch of bees or what was it?
0: <laughs> no, it's it's a super, it's it's the new iPhone that has that anti-shake camera. <laughs>
1: no that won't work for him no matter how hard the anti-shake is even his corpse would still pick up the shakes
0: i guess we're not getting him on the podcast anytime
3: soon well no he's, he's dead so no. <laughs>
2: oh, not quite no, the talker right. we thought you were Ali. <laughs> I thought you were quite he arrogant ro- in your career. <laughs> okay,
1: he rope doped us with his podcast appearance. And he just died. <laughs> He's
0: so humble, wouldn't even speak a word. All right, let's get started with the NFL. I think that's the, the best place to start. Although the Premier League had a few interesting results that we can get to a little later. And Sam's thinking that this could be Arsenal season with the way things have shaken up so far. But... What are the main takeaways you had from watching uh, this Sunday football?
1: I had such are a the... mixed... Go go on, ask me that question, because I had such a mixed reaction to, the, to every, almost every game I watched. Are the Niners done? No. The Niners aren't done for this reason. The Giants almost beat the Rams. So I'm not going to say the Rams are suddenly incredible. On top of this, you were trying to talk up as if there was like a QB controversy with the Niners over whether or not Garoppolo will get back in. I will say this if the Niners have had Garoppolo, they win that game easily. And I'm not even calling that into question.
0: Well, I think now the QB controversy is Garoppolo versus Bethard or Bethard.
1: Bethard, yeah. I mean Looked no Bedard Bedard's had his chances before. There's no QB controversy there. He did a he did an okay job of moving them down the field. I'll say the only thing as my Niners analysis, just so we can fall into the category of a Niners podcast, once again, on the two-point conversion at the end, he got a little bit undone by the fact that Kittle dropped the like I think most of the time Kittle catches that. At the same time, I don't know why he didn't just run it in because he had all the space in the world. He could have run that in easily. If he had run it in, then the way he marched them down the field, once they got the ball back, they would have kicked the field goal to take it to, to overtime. Yeah. That so
0: so, so for those who didn't see, um, the Niners were down what 11, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then they scored the touchdown, went for two to make it a three-point game. And he rolled out, but I, I, I agree. He could have run it. The only thing I'll say is when you watch the replay, they didn't really show to the right. So I don't know if there was a guy maybe coming down hard that you couldn't see, but regardless, I mean, he hit Kittle right in the hands and Kittle had a great game up to that point. I think he had 14 catches.
1: Kittle should have ca- caught you it. You need to catch that. You could have, you, you, you could tell from Kittle's reaction. They kittle knew he should have caught it too. That's the other thing. Like you can always yeah. tell from the receiver, like when they kind of roll over and they the ball's on the ground and you can just see on their face. There's that moment where they judge, like, oh, it should it was a little in front of me or a little bit behind me. And Kittle was just like disappointed in himself that he hadn't caught it. So Did you just say when I'm the player him.
0: rolls over and the ball's in his face?
1: No, balls on the ground. As in, they haven't caught it. Okay. <laughs> you know, look. The thing is, too. Does, people if, are, hey,
0: if if he catches that, do the Niners win that game?
1: Um, I, I think it's always difficult to judge because I think they at least tied attempted one of the bring it to One of the worst onside. They attempted one of the worst onside kicks in history. I don't get what I don't get what Robbie Gold was doing with the drop kick where he kicked the ball. This is the thing that bothers me. Like, I approach this, like it's one of those weird things where I approach this as a European who kind of got involved in American football. And I look at sometimes how kickers kick the ball. And when I looked at how he drop kicked the ball and he kicked it on the bottom half of the ball, and I don't get how he expected kicking the bottom half of the ball would produce a bounce that would have given his the guy's trying to recover the ball a chance. And it's one of the things that blows my mind. And as anyone who likes rugby and you think of what a good kicker in rugby can do in terms of their control over a ball, even with the current restrictions on onset kicks, I do not get how kickers struggle so much.
0: Well, I mean, the so there's two two points there I have. So the first one is about the kick. I completely agree with you. I don't, know what the hell that was or what he was trying to do but we've discussed this before all these kickers are doing every day at practice is practicing two kicks literally field goal or let's say three field goal kickoff which is basically just a long field goal or onside kick that's all he's doing every day all day how can they not be better at it than what that attempt was that's the first thing that blows my mind is just still how shitty they are and even the fact that sometimes kickers still kick out of bounds on a kickoff blows my mind it should happen once a year in the entire nfl but it happens every week it, it's unfathomable to me that that's your one job and you can't do that the second thing i don't get is there was so they're down five so they need a touchdown right there's 202 left on the clock and they have a timeout. So you're going to get the two-minute warning stoppage, and you're going to get a timeout stoppage. Your best case here is you kick the onside kick and recover, which happens maybe, what now, 5% in the NFL, something really low like that. You hope you get it. If not, you've just given them great field position that even if you do stop them, you're then getting the ball maybe on your own 20. Versus if they just kicked it deep and and didn't like think that that 5% chance was really that great to get the ball, kick it deep and know you're going to have to stop them anyway, if you don't get the on-side kick. So you, now you've got them down on their own 25, you stop them. And then you get the ball back on the 50 when you need a touchdown, not a field goal. If they needed a field goal, then maybe you do that because even with the field disadvantage, you only need to get to the 30 or 40 to kick a field goal. But if you need a touchdown yards are key. And I mean, especially when you don't have time, Bounce, yards are even more paramount which is kind of what happened they just ran out of time I think they would have scored a touchdown had they had another 30 seconds 45 seconds but like I don't get why you onside there it was I think it's such a dumb call you could have pinned them deep especially when they had the whole team up you could have pinned them really deep and gotten the ball back on the 50 and only had to go 50 yards not 80.
1: Yeah I mean I guess in the way you would say the onside kick tactic worked out in the sense that if you think uh, from a 3 and out you can get the ball back either way it doesn't matter and in the end It does matter though. If if you ha- if you have a minute left wouldn't you want the ball on the 40 or
0: 50 than on your own 20? Well my 20? O- my
1: only criticism of the way they marched down the field which was pretty effective is they never throw the bo- threw the ball through the ball to the edges and they like never took the ball out of bounds. And so they yeah, they marched the ball down but they they ate up 15 20 25 seconds per play. And if they'd maybe taken the ball out of bounds once in that time, then they would have left themselves an extra 10 seconds on the clock, which would have been huge when they got the ball all the way down in the red zone. So, I mean, in a way, they got hurt by two things, which was one, that I think Bedard's like, A, even when he took the Took the ball into the red zone on the initial drive if he got the sack which was like just throw the ball away if he hadn't taken that sack they wouldn't have wasted that one timeout, which would have been huge for when they got the ball back and then second of all you need to hit a receiver once along the sidelines so that he can take the ball out of bounds and so you can stop the clock yeah and, and
0: i i mean obviously they're they're probably taking away that sideline throw but the time, we've also discussed this multiple times. The time I don't get why when you don't do it is when there's about that 6 to seconds left in the game and you know all they're doing is protecting the deep ball. You can run a quick, like, look like you're going vertical and then just stop 10 yards, catch it I'll and also, step out of bounds in, in three seconds, and then you've gained 10 more yards. Like I'll also I say I understand final, why more teams don't
1: do that. On the final play, fundamentally the throw was almost too good and george kittle actually stops i think it's debo samuel behind him he knocked out his hand yeah if he actually if george Kittle actually hadn't made a play on the ball it's probably a touchdown like the fun like the fundamental like the issue almost it would have been close you have have two niners actually in the perfect position to make the play and they take the ball away from each other and that's then look you don't expect that play to be completed anyway but actually, when you, when you watch that play in slow motion, you're just like, actually, if George Kittle just leaves it, Debo Samuel probably, I think it's Devo Samuel behind him, probably yeah, has it was. An, an easy catch. Like, you would expect Devo Samuel to make that play, but because Kittle gets the one hand on it, it's incomplete as a result of that. Like, they bat it around because they're both going for it. I mean, look—it's a bad loss from the Niners, just from the perspective that the Eagles are
3: awful, and the fact that they—whoa, whoa! whoa. NFC East leaders—that's that's that's the best stat, (laughs) right? Is that with that single win they go top.
1: (laughs) It's awful. I mean, just
3: what a damning indictment.
1: Now, here's the thing: is I think the I think the Cowboys are about to win the next four games that they have, so. I think this division is about to be steamrolled by the Cowboys. That being no, legitimately, that you can't stable. use the word steamrolled
0: for that division. No, I think I you Unless it's I think, Daniel Jones I, getting no, no.
2: steamrolled? I think you can. <laughs> no, I mean
1: two wins steamrolls that division. Not so. Not yeah, in you that can. way. <laughs> so, so, but the the Niners are going to look back on that loss and just think they really left one on the field like they're that's pro- potentially going to cost them a playoff place, which look, the Niners team are so depleted by injuries. It's not going to matter this year anyway. Well, it's not going to matter for home field advantage in the playoffs either. So, <laughs> so true, but they may not make the playoffs because of that loss. Yeah. I mean and it doesn't, it doesn't the matter. Is, the issue I had is, then,
0: is they were, they were clearly ahead in that game. I mean, they had that game won until Mullins threw that that stupid ball for the interception. And then next drive has that terrible fumble. Like they had that game in control. Granted, they weren't dominating, but if you had asked me before that Mullins interception, who wins this game, 95% the Niners win it. And then those two plays just. I
1: think, I think the thing is the Niners have lost two games so far. Right. And I think both times their defense would have walked off that field and said, I don't know how we lost this game. And like against the Cardinals and against the, and in this game against the Eagles, they would both, both times would be like, look, you guys like sold us out. Like If you, if the offense had not just totally left us down, we have done such a good job of shutting down another team. We forced a turnover. We forced like so many three and outs. We've given you great field position. And just, you have just completely left us, let us down. And that to me is the, is the worst thing about the Niners so far through through the four games, is that in both of their two losses, and and that's the thing, right? Like in a way, their defense is almost more depleted than the offense. In the sense that you would say like, Bosa is one of the top five defensive players in the league, if not one of the top five players in the league. Then you have Bosa out, you have a number of other players out on their on their like defensive line, and still defensively, they're getting the job done. And then offensively, you're just like, God, guys, come on. Sometimes just put together, even if it's not a scoring drive, just just string together three first downs so that when you punt, you're not giving the team the other ball, the, like the ball back on, the, on their own 40. Like, just give us a break. And they're just not. I mean, here's the thing is like you coming, and by you, I mean Frank, Came into, coming into this week tried to talk it up like there was some kind of QB controversy in San Francisco. There's no QB controversy in San Francisco. No.
0: Unless as if they want to trade, do they want to trade Mullins for Daniel Jones? Because they looked about the same <laughs> there.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: because Jimmy G is getting this job back as soon as he's able to walk. So yeah. this, is, this is fine. So maybe
0: let's switch then from a team that's dropped any nfc rankings to a team that seems to be climbing its way back to what people expected in the tampa bay buccaneers down 17 led by 42 year old going on 22 year old tom brady with 370 passing yards and five tds what do we think about the
1: bucks are they for real no i watched that game and as you know frank i had money on that game and i did not have any confidence in them winning up until the final like 90 seconds of that game. So, okay, <laughs> Brady had five touchdown passes to five different receivers. In one like one of the huge plays probably involved Evans pushing off on the guy covering him. I will say No, like, that was not wait. a push off. No, nah, they got <laughs> Look, not a push I off. I wanted them to win. I wanted them to win, so I'm not going to say it was a push off. But when you watched it in real time, you were like, "Whoa, that's probably going to be a flag." Oh, it's not a flag. That's lucky. But listen, uh, what's who? Who was the um,
0: the guy they went to in the in the broadcast? I forget who it was for that one. Was it Gene? Selator uh, Gene or whatever? Yeah,
1: or What? Yeah, exactly. He
0: said no penalty. Yeah, but so you know, whatever they say, he's is idiot. always right.
1: Yeah, I mean the guys they go to, I literally think have never watched. A, I know they technically have all been officials for a long time, but I don't think they've ever. They're like head football. of officiating. I don't, think ever, I don't think they've ever watched a football game before in their lives. They'll be like, "That is not a fumble." It's like, "Oh, it's a fumble."
2: Okay, great.
1: But no, the Bucks. I'm going to spin this on. I'm going to turn it to a question. So the Bucks are three and one. There are several undefeated teams, right? Like the Bucks are now winning their division. There are several undefeated teams in the NFL. I want to know which one of these teams you believe is the least for real, which is also interesting because going into tonight, because we're recording this Monday night just before two of the Monday night games kick off, which of these teams is the least for real? So we have the Seahawks, 4-0 now
0: are we talking just NFC or or NFC and AFC oh,
1: entire league so Seahawks okay. 4-0 Packers 3-0 right now then in the AFC you have the Bills 4-0 you have the Chiefs 3-0 you have the Steelers 3-0 and you have the Titans 3-0 which of those teams do you do you believe in the least
0: i'll let sam go first
3: probably say the Titans Like the first couple, I mean, what was good about the Seahawks game was that, you know, Russell Wilson's been posting some pretty crazy stats. And it was one of those games where it's like, what happens when they don't play as well and they have to grind something out? And I think Wilson did exactly that. So that was a pretty good performance. Um, The Packers are posting over 35 points a game. Rodgers looks really good. I think they look really good. I think they're
0: letting up like 30 a game.
3: (laughs) I, I think it's that. I think it's probably the Titans for me.
0: Yeah, I I mean, it's an obvious one who I'm going to go with. I think the Steelers are not for real. I want to see them play good teams, not the 0-4 Texans. I think they're mediocre at best, an 8-8 eight eight team that just started off with a pretty easy schedule. I think they're going to come way down. Out of all those teams, I think they'll probably end up with the worst record. I would second the Titans as being the next least confident team. The Packers have surprised me. They've looked way better on offense than I thought they would be. Their defense is still kind of questionable. Um, But, man, would I love to see a Packers-Chiefs Super Bowl have the score be like 75-72. That would be insane. Um, But, yeah, obviously, I think the Chiefs are for real. Uh, Seahawks, I think, are for real. And the Bills. I think the Bills are definitely for real. And I think – Depending on what happens today, they might have themselves a pretty easy path now to win the AFC East.
1: So you think the Bills are more for real or the Seahawks are more for real?
0: They're pretty close, right? I mean, if you looked at it earlier in the season, like before the season started, you would have said that the Seahawks clearly had the better quarterback, but the Bills clearly had the better defense. However, from what it's looked like, you could say Josh Allen is close to being on par with Russell Wilson. I mean, they're like neck and neck right now. And this Bills defense that everyone thought was going to be a top three in the NFL right now isn't. That's not to say they might not get back to it. Maybe they're just slow starting. It looked like the last game or two, they've been better than how they started, but their defense isn't as dominant as everyone thought it would be. And it's actually their offense that's, you know, winning them games. Like you look against the Rams last week, they had to come back to win that game. You know, Josh Allen had a great game. So they're close. Um, I'll go with my my heart on this one because I'd love to see the Bills do well. I'll say the Bills are more for real
1: than the Seahawks. I think the Bills are more for real. So an interesting stat, right? Not all of these stats in a way are meaningless because just the number of points scored and touchdowns scored nowadays are so out of line with what used to be the case. Josh Allen is the first quarterback in NFL history to have 12 passing touchdowns and three rushing touchdowns over a four game period. Wow. You'd think Mahomes might've done that, right? You'd think a lot of people might've done it. Like uh, there's a ton of people I might've thrown in that you would've thought maybe Vic, maybe the passing touchdowns a little too high for Vic, but you would've thought definitely he would have had a period where it might've been possible. Even Wilson, you would've thought might've done it. Rogers might've done it. The fact that he is the first to do it, kind of an interesting one, and it might even bring yeah. us onto another interesting topic from this weekend of football, which is one person who has completely ru- like ruled out Vic. Yeah. I mean, uh, ruled out Josh Allen as being. Wait, is good. Vic coming back? <laughs> is coming Michael back. Vic on the on the on a comeback? I think my dog
0: says. Well, so. Wait, 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 wait! <laughs> real quick, real quick. Yeah, my real dog's cowering
2: at a corner, so it must be on the comeback.
0: Before and- before we go into that, if Vic made a comeback, what would his
1: ranking be in Madden right now? Uh well 99 speed. I mean it would be so overrated in Madden. Right? Like Would he be higher
0: than Kaepernick? Should wait, should he be higher than Kaepernick? Should a Michael Vic right now be higher than Kaepernick right now? No, because
3: because of
2: his <laughs> age. No.
1: 100% no. But also, then not
0: training close. And
2: everything. At least Kaepernick's like, tried to maintain like uh, his training <laughs> regimen and routine. Like, you don't
0: know still, Vic's not training.
2: <laughs> he's not training. Well, he's training way. something. He's yeah, he's doing a, something. <laughs> he's probably training
1: a bunch of bulldogs somewhere, but that doesn't count for being NFL. Hit balls, right?
0: Eddie. Bulldogs aren't good fighters.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where Vic went wrong.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's where well, Vic's short, short so snout.
1: That's how Vic got caught. Because if you don't win, <laughs> people notice. But he, <laughs> no, no, it shouldn't be close. But that does does but, bring okay, me go back an to your... It does bring me to an interesting topic. Say we go through a bunch of quarterbacks currently in the NFL, who are either close to losing their jobs, or have lost their jobs. Who would you rather have as an NFL starting quarterback? So if you look at Daniel Jones, Mitch Trubisky. Whoa, wait, Daniel Jones isn't close to losing his job. Well, he is from the draft, right? Like that's the goal, isn't it? <laughs> is there any Giants? Oh, fan you, out oh there? you think?
0: Wait, wait. So you're telling me you think if the Giants get the first pick, that they would take Trevor Lawrence?
1: No, they'd probably it's the Giants, so they'd probably take some defensive end. <laughs> they'd be like, "Wow, great move!" They'd probably take a kicker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, in fairness, if they'd had a better kicker in that game, they might have gone for the field goal to bring it to a one-score yeah. game from sixty yards out. You know, it could have changed everything. So they, it wouldn't be if the worst. They had Buckner, exactly. It wouldn't be the worst strategy ever. But out of out of those guys, Jones, Trubitsky – Let's throw Mullins in there. Haskins. Haskins. Are we putting Darnold in there? Or no. Okay, let's throw Sam Darnold in. He's probably close to losing his job. Let's, let's, let's throw him in too. So Sam Darnold, <sighs> Mitch Trubisky, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Jameis Winston. Let's go, let's go from those five. Who, who is the one okay. you want as you're starting QB if you're starting a new franchise today? As much as it pains me to say this, <laughs> it would probably
0: be Daniel Jones. He has some upside. Like, I mean, listen, I watch every Giants game from start to finish. He has some decent upside. He's, he can actually run the ball pretty well. I mean, he has some decent runs. He's got a good arm, like, he can throw the ball. His issue is just, stupid turnovers if he could like even in this game he played better because he didn't just turn over the ball statistically it wasn't a great game but he wasn't awful because he didn't turn it over like he didn't have two fumbles and two dumb interceptions if he can cut those out he can be close to like an alex smith like not gonna win you games but you know can be a pretty good game manager I don't know if I can say the rest for, for them, maybe Trubisky, I I guess Trubisky is now a game manager at, at best, but I mean, Trubisky's had what four years now and hasn't done it. So I think, you know, Jones is only in his second year. He hasn't played a full season yet. I never liked Haskins as a NFL QB. Um, He was good in college, but it was more because the routes they were running were pretty easy for him on Ohio state, but I don't, I have not been impressed with him. Um, Mullins, no, (laughs) not after last night. (laughs) Um, I think that's it. Oh, and Sam Darnold. i never liked Sam Darnold, even at USC. I thought he was trash.
1: It's interesting, right? Because in a way, I agree with you and we were speaking throughout the Giants Rams games, because we both had like a financial interest in that game. And for me it was a relatively important financial interest that the Rams won. And I was scared in the fourth quarter of that game that the Giants were going to win. And that's a compliment to Daniel Jones, that whenever the Giants got the ball back, I legitimately thought that they were going to put a touchdown drive together. <laughs> that being said, they never put a touchdown drive together. And if yeah. if the if the Ram's offense had been even semi-competent throughout that game. It's not close. So it's a weird one where the final score, like so like their the incompetency of the Rams or the, even if you want to give credit to the Giants' defense, flattered the Daniel Jones and the Giants' offense so much where you're like, there were moments where you're like, oh, they got nine points, but they feel like they're still, they're moving the ball at will. It's like, no, no, they have nine points. And in most NFL games, if you only have nine points in the fourth quarter, the game is over. Like, it's not a close game. You don't often get to say nine points, we could win this one, guys. Fourth quarter, we've we've got this. We've got them right where we want them.
0: Uh, And the crazy thing is they only have three offensive touchdowns this season in four weeks. That's I mean, how bad this, they are.
1: The stat was right. They they're now going on what what is it? 13 quarters of play since a touchdown? Is it something like, it's something crazy like this that they threw up in the wow. It could be. <laughs> they threw this up during the game. They the haven't three, scored three
0: yet. touchdowns in in 4 weeks. I mean, how bad is that? That's
1: but terrible. weren't they all in the first weren't all of their offensive touchdowns? I think they were all in the opening Probably.
0: Game.
1: Yeah, maybe. So they're going on just such an incredible length of time. Yeah. since, And that's not necessarily a knock on Jones. Now, maybe it's a knock on, obviously, his Lions not protecting him. He's got nothing in terms of the running game. I mean, he's the leading rusher right, on their team. And he's <laughs> he might not be one- anymore. <laughs> No, He, he was still going in. Is he still? No, he still is. It's he be still close. is. Wow. There's only two quarterbacks in this league who are the leading rushers on their team. It's Daniel Jones and Lamar Jackson. That's it. <laughs> so it's, it's a tough one to read into this. But at the same time, the Giants are awful. So part of the reason why he's the leading rusher is because there's nothing good about their team. Because he's running there's, for his life. <laughs> Yeah, at times, but you know, could he go to a better spot and be in a better place? Probably not helped. Also, it might bring us on to one of the more interesting topics of the weekend. May not be helped by the fact that some of his wide receivers have very personal issues with some of the secondaries from other
3: teams. Hey, what's, what's happened? I didn't read so,
0: this. so I, Yeah, I sent it to you, guys, but I, I guess Sam didn't see it. So Golden Tate and Jalen Ramsey had a ongoing Twitter feud that then obviously spilled over into the game. The thing I will say is Jalen Ramsey absolutely destroyed Golden Tate wait, on, hold one on the plays.
1: They don't have an wait, Frank, they don't have an ongoing Twitter feud.
0: Yeah, you they fee- did.
1: No, the feud is as a result. No,
0: no, I know, I know. I'm going to explain what the feud is a result of. But before okay. the game, they were no. they were going back and forth on Twitter.
1: No, no, no. Like yeah, but you're doing up. a disservice. No, you're doing a disservice. Yeah. A golden.
0: I want case. to say what happens first, and then
3: I'll no, explain why.
1: No, no, no. Sam, I'm just about to tell you what Frank is about to describe as 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 saying it's a tw- ongoing Twitter feud. Is such a disservice to golden Tate. But go on, <laughs> Frank. Okay. Please, ex- please explain what the issue between the two of them is.
0: So, anyway, they Ramsey crushed Tate on the field, and they were like going at it the entire game. Then after the game, apparently, it like when everyone shakes hands and stuff like that, they got into a fist fight at the end. So it turns out, well, it doesn't turn out, but this is what happened, is that Jalen Ramsey has two kids with Golden Tate's sister. He is the father of two of her children. And I don't know if this is the third one or if it was during the second one. Second while she one. was okay. So while she was pregnant with the second child, he then abruptly <laughs> left her to date a Vegas dancer,
1: <laughs> aka stripper. Gotcha.
2: <laughs> I was aware of that. Thank you. I just want to make this clear. Right?
1: I just want to make clear just how much of a piece of shit he is.
0: This is also the same guy who trashed Josh Allen and said he's not not good.
1: Oh no, his Josh Allen remarks are worse than that and have aged even worse than that. Now here's the thing is Golden Tate, and again, I wanted the Rams to win that game, and Ramsey's play on Golden Tate on that third down was huge, and the way he yeah. pushed him back on that play and like just smashed him into the ground. Killed them. Was, yeah, it was massive, and it was like an almost momentum-turning defensive play. So as someone who wanted the Rams to win, great. That being said, I wasn't totally aware of the extent of their personal feud, before that play, and the interesting thing was like throughout the game, the announcers kind of hinted at it as it transpires. Ramsey's just an absolute piece of shit, <laughs> and like I've already Eddie. been aware, I've been aware of his trash talking before, but when your <laughs> trash talking crosses the line of you're just dating other players of like sisters in the league, impregnating them leaving them big pregnancy for strippers in in Vegas. You are just a piece of shit.
0: Eddie, one, one would say during that play that Jalen Ramsey hit him and dropped him just like he did his sister.
1: Yeah, it's not far <laughs> off. It's hard to say who he did worse <laughs> to, right? But I mean, here's the thing too is, right? So you mentioned his Josh Allen comments. Let's just read back his Josh Allen comments because we've just discussed in a way how good the Bills might be and how good Josh Allen might be. This is his Josh Allen review after they drafted him. I think Allen is trash. I don't care what nobody say, he's trash. And it's gonna show too. That's a stupid draft pick to me. We play them this year and I'm excited as hell. I hope he's their starting quarterback. He played at Wyoming every time they played a big school Like, they played Iowa State, which is not a big school in my opinion because I went to Florida State, and he threw five interceptions. And they lost by a couple touchdowns or something like that. He never beat a big school.
0: Now let's fast forward to 2020. What does he say?
1: Let's fast forward to to 2020. and He's talented. (laughs) That's what he said. They asked him again, and he said he's talented. (laughs) Yeah, after they played them and the Bills beat them. But but he's had to then subsequently admit this fact. But also now when you're looking at the Bills as legitimate Super Bowl contenders with Josh Allen as their starting quarterback, you know, just potentially an
0: MVP candidate.
1: Yeah, everything about Ramsey and look, his analysis of other NFL players is one thing. The way he's then behaving, I'm all in favor of Golden Tate. And you can watch the videos because that's the interesting thing. In the actual coverage of the game, they didn't get any of the fight on camera. But you can go and look. The fight just kicked off in midfield. The two of them just went swinging at uh, each other. I was going well,
3: it... to was it like in a tunnel or something? But... No, 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 it no, was no, right in midfield. midfield. midfield.
1: You, can, you can watch. Just go on Twitter, look up the videos. The two of them just threw haymakers at each other at midfield. And then the two teams swarmed on them. I will say this is... There's not maybe as many players from the Rams coming in to defend <laughs> Ramsey as as you might think when two or, when one of your teammates is in a full on brawl, and I think that's quite revealing.
0: Well, supposedly, too, Ramsey threw the first punch. Several uh, people oh, have he's kind an, of said he's that.
1: an absolute piece of shit, yeah. and just the fact that he keeps talking trash about Golden Tate. Like, even in the build-up to the game, right, like, part of the thing is he's kind of saying, like, Golden Tate needs to get over it and all these different things. It's like, oh hold on a second. You left his sister mid-pregnancy for a stripper. Maybe just keep quiet about this issue.
2: And yeah, or don't that, force the issue about getting over it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The fact that Ramsey is, like, be a fucking get over it man like what's the big deal like be be a baller get over it it's like oh well you might be out of touch with reality here
3: who uh who won the fight
1: you can't tell honestly you can't see yeah, anything you can't tell you, you watch the video it's just it's just 105 men surrounding two men on the ground so
0: who knows calm down sam calm down that's too many frank
1: come on <laughs> how many do you think you could take sam
3: wait what in a fight
1: <laughs> oh, just, just on the ground we'll let you decide if it's a fight or
3: something else. <laughs> I, I, I. <laughs> so i wouldn't even Eddie. know where the start point well like what's the context
1: here go on frank throw your question at me
0: speaking of the daniel jones debate how good is my boy justin herbert looking right now If only the Giants had him.
1: I don't think he's looking that good, in all honesty.
0: Really? He was 20 for 25 with 290 yards, three TDs, and an interception. He had a perfect QB rating at the end of the third quarter.
1: Herbert, (laughs) so the only thing I can say is I basically watched two Chargers Chargers games this year. I watched the game against the Chiefs, and I watched this game against the Bucs. And in both games, he's managed to put his team in winning positions And then when it came down to crunch time, he kind of disappears. Now, either it's because he's handing it over to a running back, or it's because that's when his incompletions come into the game, or he's just checking down to receivers for easy yards that the defense is giving him. But fundamentally, he's had his team in two positions where you would very much expect them to win, particularly against the Bucs, and he just hasn't delivered.
3: But didn't they have the fumble on the goal line, which got the Bucks kind of back into it before the half? So that was a bit unfair, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think he's playing. They had the really fumble. Well they had the fumble. Playing his
0: first three. No, they games. had the
1: fumble off. They had the fumble off their own. So like the Bucks kicked back, kicked like punted to like kicked off to them, and then they fumbled on their own ten yard line or fifteen yard line, wherever it was. And yes, that gave the Bucks a touchdown that reopened the game, turned it from a 17-point game until into a 10-point game, which was huge in terms of how close did the game feel. That being said, I still just think, look, I'm not dismissing him. He he looks competent, which is which is a good start. But I'm not. Uh, I wouldn't be going out of my way to have Herbert as my quarterback. And if I was the Chargers. I'm not sure I would be saying Herbert gets to keep the job.
0: So you've put, um, you put Tyrod Taylor back? Yeah,
1: 100%. Yeah, right now, yeah. Wow. I mean, he, well, here's my only issue in that is I think as the Chargers, you then have to decide, are you a playoff team or not? If you think you're a playoff team, you put Taylor back. If you don't think you're a playoff team, you let Herbert – keep going, knowing that Herbert's going to lose 50% of your games. Now, assessing whether or not you're a playoff team is really tough right now. But if they think they have any hope, yeah, you, you take Herbert out. No no questions. So I
0: guess the other game we have to talk about is the Cowboys and the Browns. The crazy... Did you have the over? Almost, no, I didn't have anything on it. Actually, I had the Browns.
1: I, I mean, both Frank and I picked the Browns before. We disagreed on the over-under. But we both liked the Browns. Oh, who had the under? You picked the under. I picked the over. We disagreed (laughs) on how the... Now, here's the thing is, you actually said that you thought the Browns would beat the Cowboys through their running game. And as it transpired, they kind of beat them through their running game, but in very unconventional runs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Some of those might... They're almost not considered runs, right? Like the, the OBJ... A game-clenching touchdown, it's not really a running touchdown. And then, you know, sometimes when it's the pitch, you're like, it's not really a run. But I mean, it's so hard to read into the Cowboys because they're giving up 40 points a game. At the same time, their receivers are open on every play, and they can, you think they could score 40 points a game. So it's a really weird one to read into. I mean, I think the Browns are just legitimately quite good. Like, I think, you know, going into this year, I think a couple of us picked the Browns to make the playoffs. The Browns are making the playoffs. And I'm I'm just going to say this right now. I'm not ruling out the Browns could win the Super Bowl because the Browns might have the best running game in the league.
0: They're just inconsistent. and I, They are, I...
1: but their defense isn't that bad. It's not great, but it's not that bad. They can make big plays in crucial moments if they need to. And their running game is terrifying. I mean, you even look at this. Chubb went out, and then they had their third-string running back came, come in, and he looked terrifying. Well, that's and that then, thing we talked Well,
0: first off, it's Kareem Hunt.
1: No, no, no. Kareem Hunt's their second-string running back. And okay. Kareem Hunt might arguably be one of the top five running backs in the league. So the fact that they have their second-string running back who is And look, not to downplay the reasons why he's the second-string running back, because he's the second-string running back because he's an absolute piece of shit. But still, fundamentally... Eddie's on the,
0: Eddie's on the piece of shit train today. Yeah, he
1: is
2: brutal. <laughs> oh,
1: I'm sorry. Sorry to call him a piece of shit because he just kicks his girlfriends.
2: <laughs> like,
1: but... Whoa, whoa. She wasn't his girlfriend. <laughs> okay, I take it back.
2: Yeah, so. kicks random women. <laughs>
1: okay, that's acceptable.
2: That actually just sounds more hilarious now.
1: Oh, more he hilarious! More like, more hilarious. He's just walking around yeah, kicking
2: Sam. random women. That just sounds funny.
1: <laughs> but he, Yes, Sam. You know, look, Real laughing matter. Yeah, <laughs> but he, look, he still fundamentally, if Kareem Hunt didn't have his off-field issues he would be considered one of the top five running backs in the game. And so the fact that the Browns have him as a backup running back is absolutely terrifying. And whenever they bring him in and Chubb, look, the thing is Chubb deserves, and now I don't know how severe Chubb's injury is and as to how many weeks he's going to be out for. I think it potentially might almost be a season ender.
3: Wasn't he put on injury reserve? I thought that was it. Yeah
1: but, yeah but the new in injury reserve now is
0: you three, could weeks. Be three weeks even i think yeah oh. so
1: it might potentially be a season under you don't know at this stage because it's like so inconclusive but okay even if he's out for the season their running game is still terrifying because now okay kareem hunk gets to just carry the ball for 70 percent of their carries and i still can't even remember of their the guy who came in as their third string running back deontay johnson or whatever his whatever his name was.
3: Dearness Johnson.
1: Yeah. He also looked terrifying. So now you have the situation where the the Browns are still
3: maintained one of the best running games in the league. So in, have... in, in that game, you had Ernest Johnson, um, 95 yards, average 7.3 a carry. Kareem Hunt, 71 yards, average 6.5 carry. And Nick Chubb, 43, average 7.2 yards a carry. So, yeah. They are uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's so easy. Yeah, that's so easy. Christ. No, I mean that, it it, it Cowboys, is against the, the worst defense yeah. in
0: the history of the NFL. Rick, right now they're they're averaging what is it, 37 points a game? They're letting up something crazy like that. Yeah, it's statistically no, the the worst ever after
1: four weeks. No, they're they're absolutely the Cowboys defense is absolutely awful and it's not gonna so you don't want to read too much into the Cowboys the 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 Browns moving the ball pretty effectively against them.
0: And that Beckham reverse, how awful of an effort was that by Alden Smith to just like didn't do anything.
1: Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. A week ago.
3: I think I know what you're comparing it to.
1: We were (laughs) praising a running back from the Saints. For being elusive, just made people miss tackles. Just did. Oh my God! Just so hard to bring down. And then OBJ. Is that my got, voice? <laughs> the OBJ goes on a OBJ goes on a arguably a much better run, a much better run. I'm just gonna say this. No. And now it's like, oh
2: no, what a bad, what a bad effort by one of the people in the Cowboys. That was oh, really come on.
3: in that OBJ run, though a really good
2: block. Uh, I mean, it's just...
3: Eddie, it's
0: Alden just, Smith, and if if that's Nick Bosa, dead to rights. Alden well, Smith yeah, kind of well, just like runs if, at him and then like stops and just lets him go
1: by him. Yeah, well, here's the thing is, if Nick Bosa had been playing against the Saints the week before, Alvin Kamara's head... Is in the fucking Superdome stand, so let's not <laughs> let's not try and pretend. Let's not compare the two. Right? His fucking grill is embedded in Nick Bosa's forearm, so let's not let's not compare the two things. Like they're so both Nick Bosa
2: all,
0: forearm hitting him. What is that? I was tackling him. What a harrowing level of height you He's just, he's just hitting, he's just you hitting him
1: with whatever he wants. You know what? Nick Bosa is. wait put it this way: Kamara's grill is in is in Nick Bosa's teeth. Right, he's, He just slipped it in. He's taken his diamonds right off of him. And he's walking off the field with them in between his teeth. But that's the thing is the quality of tackling in the NFL is awful. And it's not going to get any better. And OBJ was an example of this. Kamara's touchdown was an example of this. Tons of teams are going to give up terrible touchdowns. But if you do have a semi-elusive ball carrier with the ball in their hands, Good things are going to happen. I mean, even Ayuk's touchdown in the Eagles Niners game. Now, I, as you pointed out to me in during the game, right, Frank? You, I've previously on the podcast been critical of people trying to hurdle uh, tacklers, and Ayuk very successfully hurdled the tackler. You shouldn't be allowing yep. someone to hurdle you. It should not happen. Let's just put this out there. Someone should not be able to leap over you while you are tackling. It shouldn't be humanly possible. But,
0: Sam, yeah. I love, I, I love that Eddie was ripping on the hurdle. People should stop hurdling. There's no point to the hurdle. The hurdle is useless. Eddie, what about Ayuk's hurdle? Oh, that's different. That was no, no, no. Here's, here's the only. Here's the only. Here's <laughs> no, the only thing. I'm just
1: going to mute you. I was, I'm just going to mute you. <laughs> no. Here's the thing is, I was shooting on the idea of hurdling. You get a lot of people. You get a lot of people hurdling when they're like third and fifteen, and then they pick up. they got like they're at the they're nine yards behind the line of like behind the first yard game, and they're still attempting to hurdle, and they're going out of bounds as they hurdle, and it's just like this is pointless. Don't do that. The difference on the Ayuk one was he was hurdling to get into the end zone. Also, the different thing is on the Ayuk one. So, hurdling to get
0: three more yards is useless, but hurdling to get into the end zone is okay.
1: Hurdling to get three more yards on a third down where you will not get a first down, and the only when you look at the like net gain versus the risk, which is you fumbling. Yes, it is useless. Like it's one of those Eddie. things where you put it you'll put it on your YouTube highlight reel, but fundamentally you'll just be like, Wow, okay, so what was the outcome of that play? It was like, well, instead of it being fourth and eight, it was fourth and seven. Well, <laughs> nice job, man. But, Why but is then it hey, so then, stupid then, <laughs> like,
0: then obviously Al Pacino didn't hit home for you in his any given Sunday speech, Eddie. Because they obviously. crawl for every inch. They fight
1: well, for every
0: yeah, inch on that opposite. field. That's Daddy.
2: the opposite for hurdling. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're crawling. <laughs>
1: they jump every, for every inch. <laughs> no, they crawl with every fingernail. Frank, fingernail <laughs> is very much on the ground. Sam is right. <laughs> but no, the Ayuk one is different. Also, here's the thing: is the yeah, like you one uh, is Oh uh, we've done different. too much Niners talk No no yeah, wait, Uquan Uquan is also different. The This isn't Niners, is Niners also Nation. No, no, no. This, this is, is no, no, this
2: Nation. is he wants it to be Niners Nation. <laughs> yes.
1: Niners Nation.
0: The <laughs> <is also> different.
2: <laughs> wait, <laughs> if they Niners,
1: Niners Nation, I've got some stuff on my podcast wait. I'd love you to listen to. We've been
0: wait, talking why about was, Niners. Why did
2: you why did you say Niner's Nation like Irish then? <laughs> I don't know, just give them a theme song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but then the, also the difference one of the Ayuk one you then watch that replay which they showed immediately after him doing it from him in college where he kind of hurdled someone from a standing start in an alabama drill or oklahoma drill whichever version of it it was and the, in which case you're just like okay i get why this guy tries to hurdle people because he literally has a I don't know whatever it is, forty inch vertical. Well, that's why Saquon Barkley does it though too. Yeah, but Saquon Barkley then attempted it when he was again. I'm fine with Saquon Barkley attempting it at the right time, like when it's fourth and third and five, and you've you're one yard shy of the first down, and you try and hurdle someone to get there. Go for the hurdle when it's third and eighteen, and you've made your one one yard past the line scrimmage. Don't fucking hurdle someone, so that when you do it, they go, "Wow, what a highlight! Wow, how much, how athletic is he?" It's like, no, because the real the reality is, you might just fumble it, and then there's no point. I did like Chris Collinsworth after the IUK one. I did like his analysis where he was looking back on his own career, and he just said, "Never in my career did I ever consider even doing that." I do like listening to someone who played in the NFL and obviously like was in situations similar to that. And they're just like, nope, never, never did it even cross my mind to try and leap over another human being. <laughs>
3: like, when never. when people get hit, though, when people, when you see them get hit, when they're hurtling, it oh, is it's, something that, it's one of the like, you, you think they might be dead half the time. Just usually oh, they're really yeah. impactful. Oh, no.
1: I, I mean, the again, the net like, risk-reward on the hurdle, it's not a good move. But, well, look, when it comes off when you're Ayuk, good job. You scored a touchdown instead of you being forced out of bounds at the three-yard line. Well done.
0: Well, he probably was willing to risk his balls because he knew Mullins would fumble on the three
1: if he didn't get in. That's Although, I will say this, the Niners' red zone offense continues to look better with either Bedhardt or Mullins'. At the helm compared to garoppolo that's the only moment where so far i've been felt like the niners have been more efficient because obviously against the cardinals fundamentally they lost that game from inefficiency in the red zone and now when you look at their they've actually been actually relatively good in the red zone now maybe that will improve when uh Garoppolo comes back and he has Iyuk available and duo Samuel available and George Kittle available. Maybe that changes everything, but that's the only time where you kind of feel like one of them is more competent than the other.
0: So any other games you wanted to mention or cover?
1: Uh, well, is Drew B's done or not? Really tough <laughs> to tell.
0: I, I literally 20 seconds ago just pulled up the stats. Cause that was one of the things I was thinking maybe I could read to you. He,
1: the stats aren't great. It's impossible to tell. Yeah. Literally, they went from 14 down. And at that point we were talking, Drew Brees is done. He's awful. And then they went up. I mean, they were up by like 21 points at some stage, something like that. But at the same time, it's just like a dink and dunk offense where he has the weapons and the system around him where he's able to move him down the field.
0: The, the other side of that, Game is the Lions, who again, like I said, we're up fourteen nothing. That's now the sixth consecutive loss in which Detroit has held a double-digit lead, an NFL no,
1: record. You, no, I also think the Lions are the first team in NFL history to lose by ten or more, ten or more points. No, to to have lost, but when they've led by ten or more points, that's the. There's okay, some record the, along those yeah. lines. Yeah, yeah, wasn't, that, that's wasn't what I'm it saying. a like, double-digit lead, yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, no, but they're, first no, no, team but it's, his, they're the first team yeah. in NFL history of the, to have done so.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Six consecutive losses they have had a double-digit lead. That's No, that's no but I'm just no. reaffirming.
1: No. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Is it, wasn't yeah. it something to do with like being down by 10 and then very quickly – sorry, to be up by 10 and then very quickly down by 10 or something that, like that? I can't remember. Oh, that I don't know.
0: But, yeah, so that was their – falling apart there. Um yeah, I didn't really have any more takeaways than that uh Sam's Joe Burrow on.
3: I mean, first rookie quarterback to get 300 yards uh three consecutive games. So um he's Bryce also covered made. the spread.
1: He's also covered they've covered the spread right or yeah, in all four games, right? they the, they the tied push. the
3: spread. Yeah, they they pushed against the Eagles and then they've covered the yeah. spread in every every game
1: so you you've not lost if you've if you've just been back in the Bengals you've done okay and one of the other teams for example it's actually interesting because some of the least convincing teams in many ways have been like the seahawks for example have covered the spread in every game and i don't feel like the seahawks have been comfortable in any of those in in many respects Mm. but still fundamentally have covered them all yeah um but the unfortunate,
3: the unfortunate thing for the Bengals is every divisional game for them is difficult. Uh, so they haven't really got a good, uh, like,
2: let up. Really. I mean, you, could, you could argue it's going
1: to be good for them in the sense that they're probably going to end up with a top six pick. Yeah, not
0: needing, I was going to say. Needing,
1: not, needing yeah. a, not needing a quarterback. So um, that's a great scenario for them.
0: And, and maybe they just get like a few wins to kind of get the momentum building a little bit. You know, if they come out of this season with four wins, I think you're somewhat happy. You, you have a rookie QB, get a few wins, maybe like one big win against a really good team, gets the momentum going, and then you can get a top five to ten draft pick and build around Burrow. I think that's, yeah, they could be a year or two Plus down think, the road.
1: It could be pretty good. I mean, two, two things, right? One is you've already seen enough from Burrow. That for any existing Bengals Shut player down. or any any <laughs> incoming, well, any existing Bengals player or any incoming Bengals player, you would have confidence in the fact that you have a franchise capable quarterback there. There's something there to build on. The other thing too, as Sam touched on on previous weeks, he just looks like such a sweet lover that <laughs> you know that's got to be exciting for anyone in Cincinnati.
0: So one thing that did wrap up, and is starting. The second round right now is the MLB playoffs. So we did our predictions for the first round, which was a pretty crazy three game series,
3: consecutive day games. How did we do? Was it Eddie, a. You got the stats? Just out of interest, was it a good format? Did anyone watch any games? Because it's a new format, right? Did it feel better for baseball? Because usually one of the things leveled to baseball is it's just dull with, with the amount I mean, of time the, to play and all that. The form, like I guess, the f- format
0: being that there's less games and there's more teams in that first round. It was pretty cool. I mean, if you're a baseball fan, it was baseball on all day for twelve, fourteen hours. I watched a little bit of the Yankees game. Um, both of the Yankees games, they were they were fine. I mean, it's typical baseball now. If it's not a home run, it's usually like an out. <laughs> Everything is now like a home run or a strikeout.
1: Yeah, I thought it was kind of in a way, right? I think baseball desperately needs to find ways to make itself more interesting. And I think most people kind of like the, normally the wild card game and the single playing game. So I don't know if I like the idea of the one seed being at risk of losing two out of three games and being out, because that just seems, if you did play a normal season, that would be too risky but the idea of maybe only giving the one seed to buy and bringing everyone else in and playing that same format to me, it just, yeah, just, I'd rather see you desperately need meaningful baseball games. And that's the only thing this playoff series, like a, the shortened season has achieved. And then also the playoffs have also achieved. So it was interesting and it kind of threw up a couple of not huge surprises, but mild surprises. I will say, so far, if we think of the Sam the Squid performances, this has been the worst sport for Sam Squid. So Sam, you went you went four out of eight. So you went fifty, like fifty percent. Not awful, right? You just went that's blind luck. Yeah. Just you know, so not terrible. Uh Frank, you went five of eight, and I went six of eight. So it seems I might be celebrating the next round of the playoffs with the much better microphone. Uh, So there might be a significant increase in my sound quality ready to move on to this next round. But yes, Sam, I mean, so six, five, four, no one's embarrassed by that, but I guess it's time for us to make our next round predictions. Now, technically the next round is already underway as we are going, but I don't think Sam is
3: following any of these games closely. No, I have largely avoided it. The British media's had a bit of a blackout with baseball.
1: So Sam, let's let's just throw these ones out you and see how you go. Well, it's pretty yeah. cool. Is um, I don't are you there? I don't know if
0: you saw it, but it was. Um, it ended up being the first and second place teams from the AL and the NL's East and West divisions that are playing each other. So every matchup is like the first versus the second in within their division. So that was pretty neat how that ended up. I mean as to we touched on like the
1: that. only the only important thing to notice is that the Astros made it through and that's the thing that baseball deserves. Yeah. Okay, Sam, let's go. Tampa Bay Rays, New York Yankees, who's your winner?
3: The Rays. Nice. Okay,
1: Oakland Athletics, Houston Astros, who's your winner?
3: <laughs> uh baseball needs to get what it deserves, so I'm going to go Astros.
1: Wow. <laughs> Using a bit of educa- education there All right yeah. ed- 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 Dog- <laughs> Education ed- yeah.
2: Education
1: Well, <laughs> might have to rename the podcast LA Dodgers LA Dodgers, San Diego Padres Who's your winner? Dodgers And Atlanta Braves Miami Marlins Who's your winner? Braves Interesting All right, Frank I'll do the same for you then. You can throw in any knowledge you want. Although, actually, I guess some of the tips we threw out in in the wild card round might still be relevant. Yeah. Rays, Yankees, who you've got?
0: I'll go Yankees. I think, um, you know, you've got Cole is going to pitch. I think that's going to get you your one win right away. So it's a best of five. So, you know, you got to think he's going to get your one win and then just hope that Stanton and Judge and everyone else could just keep crushing the ball like they did those first first round and i think they're going to win i think it, it could go the distance maybe but I, I think they'll pull out what's pretty cool is they're they hate each other the Rays and the yankees there was a huge brawl they had uh earlier this year so that'll be interesting it's always cool when teams that really don't like each other play in baseball because it can actually lead to to a little bit of heat during the game which is interesting to watch because baseball is usually pretty boring so a's astros who's your winner Oh, you're not gonna go with it with me? I'm I'm <laughs> picking
1: I'm picking the Rays. I think the Rays might be the best team in baseball. So I'm taking I'm taking the Rays. I don't think they're gonna win the World Series, but I think they're gonna win this series. And I think the Rays are the best
3: team. You follow in the squid then.
1: I'm I am scared of the Yankees lineup. I'm not that scared of their pitching. And I think the 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 series against the Indians kind of revealed some of the weaknesses not only in their pitching, but in their relief pitching. And I don't trust it that much. That being said, their lineup is just terrifying. You just look at, like, no matter who's coming up to bat, you're just kind of scared. Like, any three-hitter sequence is scary. But I think the Rays are just a more well-rounded team, and I'm taking the Rays in a, in a five-game series. So from there, A's Astros. Who are you going for? I'm going to go A's.
0: Because that's what America wants. And they're going to get what they want, not what they deserve, Eddie. Um, this is another game. Teams do not like each other. And the really interesting part about this is the whistleblower that was on the Astros is now on the A's. So you have this whole, like, left the Astros team to go now play for the team that they're playing against. So that adds a little intrigue to it. So um, I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be close, but I'll, I'll take the A's
1: so as i revealed on the previous podcast and as anyone as anyone who knows who's looked at me over the past i don't know 15 20 years i'm an aids fan that being said the astros are the team that america doesn't want but that america deserves and the astros are going to win this series
2: (laughs) are you both trying to quote batman here (laughs) by the way Maybe is this completely unintentional, or are you actually both doing this? <laughs> they are the Dark Knights.
1: In my in my in the in my personal case, it is unintentional because I've never seen any of the recent Batman movies. So, <laughs> if in any way any of my quotes resemble Batman quotes, it is completely unintentional. But out of the darkness come the <laughs> Astros.
2: <laughs> wow. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, <the> next series,
1: <laughs> Frank. Who you got? The Dodgers or the Padres? So, uh, I'll go
0: Dodgers. Right, I think they're the best team in baseball. So, I'll stick with them.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be really boring. I know they're. No, I know they're a one seed. I know everyone fancied them like coming into the year. I think the dodgers are going to win the world series but i think this is the year they're going to win one and uh yeah so i'm going to pick them to win this series and i'm going to say right now i think they're winning the the winning the winning the next two series after that so dodgers are my pick now dodgers my pick for the world series
3: a little bit concerned with my pick then
1: (laughs) all right frank uh braves marlins for final final round ooh
0: Tough one. Can Derek Jeter's Marlins persevere? No, they cannot. I think the Braves will win. And I think, to quote another Batman, a freeze is coming.
1: <laughs> my favorite Batman movie, as people who may know me well might know. I've watched that movie more times than any other movie I've ever watched in my life.
2: I hope and that's it's not, not true.
3: No, it's. <laughs> I really hope that's not true. It's. Is that... Oh, it's not
1: even close.
3: As, as in,
2: as in, sarcastically, not even close because you. Oh haven't. no, oh. no,
1: no! I've watched that movie probably. I when I say watched, I've probably had that movie on at least 150 times in my life. And... Wow,
3: that could be that could be the worst Batman movie but how 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 would you put that on at least
2: 150 times like how are you how are you doing so how are you I'll convincing expl- people <laughs> to
1: watch I'll it explain with it, you? it to you so when I was in high school and I would go to my go to my high school girlfriend's house and go to her room and obviously one of the excuses of, like going to her room was to watch a movie <laughs> and in her room <laughs> she had a TV with a built-in VHS player I guess somewhat revealing my age, but even at the time of VHS, unusual. And uh, she only owned three VHSs. One was that Batman. One was Casablanca, and one was I can't even remember. I think Is this why maybe, you get
0: really happy and excited every time you see Arnold Schwarzenegger? No, it that just brings back only,
1: fond memories. No, I think <laughs> I like Arnold for other reasons, but it's one of them. But And so the thing was, right, we had to pretend to go to the room to watch a movie, but you actually had to put on a movie to justify being in there just in case. And so literally would just put this movie on over and over again so either again accepting the fact that her parents were not complete morons they had an understanding of what was going on but either they weren't complete morons and they did get what was going on or they
2: just thought we were the biggest batman fans ever or the fact is that it associated maybe what was going on with the puns of mr Freeze.
1: in fairness very difficult movie to or be maybe, romantically involved with each other, yes.
2: <laughs> or maybe you the are father so taken out of it so much by terrible bunning.
1: or in it's, my case, taken into it. Right. <laughs> I could just picture the father being like, "I know what they're doing in there,
0: but if he has to suffer through it by putting on that movie time after time, he kind of deserves
1: it. <laughs> Let him have I mean, it." In, I mean, what would have been worse, <laughs> that one, or having to listen to like a weird Tom Hardy voice, right? it's
0: just such a I, weird movie to have on at wait, any time well, at
1: least at least i escaped the bizarre tom hardy and look i'm i'm all on board with tom hardy tom hardy great actor
0: huge but frank and tom i dressed, we're
1: a huge tom, tom hardy Hard- podcast there yes if tom hardy tom hardy dream guest number one guest if we could have him on board number uh. one guest for this podcast just putting this out there a because but Tom Hardy has never played a role in his life where he's just done a normal voice. Amazing. So, if he came
0: on this podcast, I wouldn't want him to have his normal voice. I want him to make Oh, a, no, he would have to be like specifically. Oh, well, my
2: so, God. <laughs> yeah. I would want him to interchange between all of his voices.
0: <laughs> or he has you, to what, solely do um, what's his face from Peaky Blinders the entire time? Oh, uh, Alfie. S- Alfie Solomon. Solomon. If he did yeah. Alfie Solomon, the entire podcast, that we could just end the podcast after that and never do another. It wouldn't get any better.
1: Yeah, although that being said, his Bane introduction to the podcast would be pretty strong. Bane to
0: intro, Alfie to interview. Yeah,
1: exactly. We could just do different sections, right? Each sport, he would switch <laughs> to a different character.
3: Yeah, because th- w- what was the film we did? Um, it was like Legend, wasn't it? Where he's the two British the, the crime, crime syndicate the brother, crime the brothers, the cranes. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So we could do a couple of I those. Uncle. Or is that different? No,
1: they're, they're twin brothers.
3: No, uncle was Henry Cavill, wasn't it?
1: Uncle, yeah, that's Henry Cavill.
3: Oh, yeah, you're right. It's Henry Cavill, yeah. You could also have him doing like his Dunkirk. You could just do the noise of like a Spitfire. <laughs>
2: I he has such little dialogue, but you need the you film. Know, in, right?
1: in fairness, probably that's the thing. You know how in Dunkirk, his plane runs out of fuel, right? And just cruises along the beach. Probably he just told them like, no, no, no. This is where I'm going to do sound effects.
2: <laughs> he, was just, <laughs> he was like, this is where I do my, this is where I do the Tom Hardy thing. And he was like. Really? Yeah. Because everyone has generic noises for a gun in their life. Don't they like everyone has a generic gun noise?
1: Yeah, and they they did it. They were like, "Now nah, we'll just go pure silence, we'll just pretend he ran out of fuel. Was that the last game? <laughs> did we cover
3: all of them? Yeah, yeah baseball's, no, we're done. About baseball, baseball's right? done.
1: Who would Tom Hardy pick to wear the World Series? <laughs> Tom Hardy would pick the Dodgers. <laughs> it doesn't matter who I pick. <laughs> baseball remains
0: in the shadows. I'll never forget the one time we found the clip of him doing all the different voices that he's done in movies, but it was at the bar. It was at Bugsy's. So we're at, at the bar, like holding the phone up to our ears, trying to listen to Tom Hardy dialects.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like Friday night at midnight. (laughs) Anyone listening, I encourage you just go on YouTube and just search for Tom, Tom Hardy voices and just listened to the range he brings to his characters and from voice to voice, it's just a wonderful little compilation. So with that, where do we want
0: to go next? Premier League? Do you want to give your five minute hot take on what's going down?
1: Yeah, one of the most surprising weekends in Premier League history, I would almost argue. Not in the sense like the results like this were the norm 10, 15 years ago in some respects. But the idea of big teams losing all on the same weekend has become so unusual in in a league where normally the top two have 90-plus points. So to have both of the predicted top two lose, well, I mean, while City draw and then United lose 6-1 and then Liverpool lose 7-2, just... Unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's United's credit to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He may not last long as United manager, but he has managed to tie one of Alex Ferguson's records, which is equaling United's record Premier League defeats. So he gets that one. People didn't think he could do it, but you know, 6-1 seemed an unlikely defeat for United, but he pulled it off. But then the 7-2 defeat for liverpool almost i i mean almost unimaginable i don't know what the odds would have been on predicting a villa win by seven two but you'd be a multi 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 multi-millionaire
0: did someone bet it do you think there's one person on this planet that bet it no no no
3: no, i don't and i think it would have been uh odds on request and you would have got a 500 to one yeah that would have been
0: so shitty if that's all you got
1: No, I mean, and that's the crazy thing, right? Usually when we talk about weird upsets, right, we always say someone out there has it. And I think this falls into the category of no one out there had it. Yeah, I could imagine a world in which someone bet on Spurs to beat United 6-1. They would have been an idiot to place that bet. However, I could see them doing it. But no one is betting on Villa beating Liverpool 7-2. And here's the thing is... The 7-2 almost flattered Liverpool.
3: Yeah. They, it, it was a weird game because the, uh, Villa had, what was it, like 18 shots, but they only had 39% possession. And everyone was lording over Liverpool and the way they like high-pressed Arsenal uh, when they beat them 3-1. And to be fair, really good performance. They deserve to beat Arsenal. But then I think apart from like a few of the deflections, I think almost every Villa goal... Was a ball over the top, and it was exactly the frailty. So I'll bring it in because I'm a bit worried that Eddie wouldn't. <laughs> it's the good frailty, use, good use, the frailty of Liverpool's without um, Allison looks pretty telling after that. But if if, if teams realise that the way to get behind Liverpool is just to put a ball over the over the back of the defence, and they score seven. From what is a potentially that's a that team is meant to be battling relegation and they've just put seven past Liverpool. It's it's insane. I I don't know what's happened this year, but teams have completely forgotten how to defend.
1: Yeah, I think that's true across the Premier League so far. Every team, right? Like the clean sheets are few and far between, but. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know how you look at how the way Liverpool are depending right now. And here's the thing is, City have looked so frail, to use my my key phrase, like my, my, my catchphrase. City have looked frail at the back, and then Liverpool just made them look like a fit and healthy 25-year-old. So the <laughs> it's, it's a tough one. And it was because we obviously were speaking, and after City drew with Leeds, Season over. I, yeah, I messaged you. I thought, sort of thought, ah, that's it. Season yeah. done. Like Honestly, season done. Liverpool are going to be five points ahead of... Five points in a sense that even if imagining that they win their game in hand, they will be five points clear of City. And that is going to be too big of a gap for City to close, even after four matches. And that's saying a lot, but it's just under the idea that Liverpool will... will amass 90 points and so how are you going to close a five-point gap after three matches
0: just as crazy as that having someone bet the seven to two who would have bet that villa is in second place and has played one less game than everyone else what would the odds on that have been one less game sitting in second
1: so i will I'll give credit here in a sense, we have a future guest coming up who is a guy who um, speaks, he, he does football manager videos, which will be a world that, Frank, you are totally unfamiliar with. That being said, he had a tweet that I quite enjoyed after this weekend's results, which he said, this weekend's Premier League fixture results are a bit like when you play FM 20 years in the future, and these are the these are the results. It's all like the regions
2: that. and things like that. Yeah, <laughs> everything just takes on this weird reality.
1: And yeah, just nothing seems right. And suddenly it's like, oh yeah, of course, Villa beat Liverpool seven two. That's the way the world is now. And he's right. Like it just seems like just in there is no way anyone out there would have predict predicted this sequence of results. It's just Im- totally inconceivable yeah and and like it's not often that you see a series of results in any league even in the nfl or major league baseball or the nba or whatever it's not often that you see a series of results where you just go no could not have imagined imagined it like the equivalent i mean for any of our american listeners the equivalent of villa beating liverpool 7-2 is as if the jags went and beat the chiefs Fifty-five to ten, you know, like it's just, it's just so. No, crazy. maybe like Giants.
0: Eh, no, maybe
1: Jacks. That's <laughs> true. Sure. Yeah, they're not the worst team. They're not the worst team, right? Like, yeah. And they're getting better in this in the transfers that they made in terms of bringing, uh, Barkley in and stuff. They've they've made improvements. So. And
3: when you they got Grealish, Whew.
1: yeah, they're probably, uh, Villa keeping, have probably Keeping Grealish
3: was massive. I wouldn't be yeah, surprised but... if most of Grealish, uh, most of Villa's signings came because Grealish had signed that contract. Like yeah. people like Ollie Watkins. I think most people needed that creative midfielder. And if he, if he was gone in the same way that like, uh, so it was transfer deadline in the Premier League today. So the window, the window for signing players is now shut till the new year. And um, Arsenal just signed someone called Thomas Partey, which in my opinion is exactly the signing they needed. But going back to the point, if Yang had left Arsenal, most of the players wouldn't have signed for Arsenal that have this season. And I think it's probably the same with Villa. Is that if Grealish had gone, most people wouldn't have signed for Villa because they would have been like, it's a relegation team. It's almost either pointless because I'm not going to get signed by another team, or they're not going to give me a wage because they're probably not going to spend the money. And it, it's kind of worked out well for them.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think Villa have definitely transformed themselves into being rele- relegation candidates to being safely mid-table, I would argue. They've made that push into the, now whether they finish 15th or 8th, you know, they're kind of any sequence of injury luck or signings in January are all all just a good run of form could change all of that but fundamentally they've put themselves into that realm so they've definitely pushed them if villa go down this year it would be now be stunning and not just on the back of obviously them beating liverpool 7-2 just the quality of their squad yeah. so they've they've you 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 could argue that villa have had the best transfer window out of any team in the premier league
3: at the moment yeah i would agree with you um I, I mean you could also maybe everton because like allen uh, Rodriguez. Yeah, but
1: Everton have lost Theo Walcott.
3: Oh yeah, he's gone back to Southampton after fifteen years. He's now back at Southampton. But um, and, and you
1: know what? In a way, Sam, that should really age us because Theo Walcott was called into the England squad the year we met
3: six, the two thousand six uh, Germany squad. The year of so your meat cute.
1: In a way, Theo Walcott's career has sort of. Mimicked our friendship in a sense. So, that now, so now it's in. i done with you. You can, you can <laughs> yeah. fuck
3: off. Good. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, this so like no i'm like saying, I'm on loan to Frank at the moment. No, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> on loan.
2: I don't want you. Oh, no. wow. Okay.
1: Sam, you're on
3: loan to Paul. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, my. <laughs> but tell you what, man, you. What an absolute train wreck of a performance that 6 1 was. I mean, they've now shipped 11 goals in three games, and um, they spent on central defenders over the last like three or four years. I think it's 300 million. And so, what do they go and do? They sign Cavani (laughs) and they sign Tellers, which isn't the worst signing in the world, but that doesn't fix the center of defense in the slightest. And
1: they signed Diallo, who looks a really good prospect, yeah, too, heard. on the wings. But the, the, inter- the, the crazy thing for me is, I don't know, in a way, like they couldn't have signed another central defender because signing another one, in a way, would have been giving up on Harry Maguire. And it's... <laughs> He looks did, awful. I mean, there, did you there,
2: see the? He tackled did you Luke see? Shaw. <laughs> no, he didn't even tackle he, him. He ripped him down. He like held him back and ripped him down. <laughs> I,
1: it's it's a tough one. If you're Luke Shaw, it's a tough one to break down because you would have thought like, I mean, Luke Shaw went down and looked at the referee as if he'd been fouled. And Luke Shaw looked up as if this is a stone wall, you are Uh, giving us a free kick. And then obviously he had to realize that, no, 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 the person who has ripped you around the shoulders for no reason at all is one of your fellow defenders.
2: Just as he was like stretching his leg to belt the ball away. Oh, yeah, it
1: would have been fine.
2: (laughs) Harry Maguire, if,
1: if Harry Maguire had done nothing, it would have been good defending. And that's the difficult one, right? I mean, has anyone had a bet? Has had a, We said just now, I guess, in a way that Villa had the best transfer window of any team in the Premier League. Has anyone had a worse couple of months than Harry Maguire?
3: <laughs> He's still pending <laughs> getting arrested but, again. <laughs> no,
2: I mean, I, I mean... At this that...
1: point, isn't Harry Maguire lucky that he isn't in... Like, isn't he looking back on his summer and thinking, I wish I'd been... Put into a Greek jail. <laughs>
2: I mean, you could imagine like to, captioning a photo with a bubble saying that. Like, oh, I wish I was a Greek. He's Greece. close
1: to being dropped. I mean, yeah. I'd argue he should be dropped from the United team, but like he yep. is close to being dropped from the England team.
3: Yeah, but the problem with dropping Maguire is that you might as well bring in like Jake or <laughs> like one of our friends right, in the same Jake way that. <laughs> In the same way that you were close with the Niners being quarterback because of injuries, like with Man U, there'll come a point where they'll look around the changing room and they'll be like, there is absolutely no one here that can be defended. And it'll be like that classic story where they look into I mean, the it, stands and just go, you. Here's the
1: thing is, <laughs> but here's the thing is, Bailly didn't look good this weekend, right? But it's dis—it's difficult to look at their team and say that Baye and Lindelof are not a better combination than anything involving Maguire. And the only reason you're going to put Maguire in there is because of the price tag that they, you know, associated with bringing him in. And, and that's the tough thing for them. I mean, if you're Leicester, you must feel like it was daylight robbery at this standpoint. And I don't think anyone felt like that when the transfer went through, because I think most people thought that Harry Maguire was one of the best central defenders in the premier league. And, he was going to be a Man United defender for eight seasons, so eighty million or whatever it was, it, well worth the money given the current prices. But now, I mean, I, what's his current market value? If someone was legitimately trying to sign Harry Maguire, and they really thought they were getting a fair price, ten million pounds.
3: Oh, more than that. But yeah, point. The point is, I, I'd probably throw say, out,
1: say you're looking his, at throw out 20... his previous. 25, throw maybe? Out, throw, throw out his previous transfer dealings. Imagine he was, say, still at Leicester, but in current form. What would you be paying for him? I mean, for starters, he wouldn't be playing for Leicester. And, I, and that's the, that and is that, the real...
3: He just wouldn't have the hype about him. Like, like you say, it made sense at the time because he was just insanely consistent in that role. Uh, and also,
1: too, right, you must look back on it and say, did any player profit more out of the 2018 World Cup? than Harry Maguire in the sense that a couple of headers from corners basically made him the most valuable player defender in the world.
3: And then in he has the that meme way, about him as well. You know, so Yeah, like riding on, on a
1: unicorn or whatever on a, in a pool. <laughs> but I mean, how can you not sign him? And now look, you could say James Rodriguez. No player profited more from the 2014 World Cup than James Rodriguez and it has taken him arguably until now, now it's too early in the season to say that he has recovered, but he's looking great at Everton, but it has taken him six years and he's basically wasted his career at Real Madrid and at Bayern Munich to now get to a stage where he's in a position to sort of thrive. Harry Maguire might end up looking in a, in a weird way back in the same way that Harry Maguire may, may end up being a central defender for say, I don't know, Leicester again, five seasons from now, and finally feeling like, okay, now I'm in a position to be the defender I thought I was.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of those moves, isn't it, where they go to the big club, it's the big money signing, and then they instantly regret it through just realizing, that is, I I just think, man, you're a complete Titanic of a team at the moment. They're They're just, like the Woodward policy, the transfer policy, there's no logic to it exactly the positions Manu didn't need to sign they signed um in this transfer window it just it, it makes no sense to me but also everything fundamentally is now a negative thought for Manu, right so uh, Cavani is a good player but you're not going to see it like that what you're going to see is like okay well he hasn't played for what is it like seven or eight months now I, I don't think he started for Cavani.
1: PhD. One too is it just falls into this weird trend of United signing aging,
3: well like high as well, high-profiles,
1: high-profile strikers slash forwards, and it obviously worked out with Ibrahimovic in that he had you know a very good period with United, but you know they did it with Falcao, they've done it with Igallo, now Cavani is the next one, and it's just this idea that I mean it's as if. 18 months from now, United are going to be signing signing Suarez. (laughs) You know, it's just, okay, look, you're, you're a little bit past it, but you're still a big name, and maybe you'll be able to deliver the goods, so let's bring you in. Your work ethic is good. You know, it's kind of just like, can't you do better? And it's just, they probably needed someone up front to lead the line. And maybe Cavani, you never know. Cavani might be great in that sense. He might be exactly what they want in sort of, in a way, a more stereoty- stereotypical center forward around the pace and that they can put around him and the wingers and the sort of, you know, midfielders in behind. But right. you still just look at it and you, just, you should be able to be doing better. And I mean, yeah. it, it, I guess in the they've been undone. They obviously tried to sign Holland. And because of the fact that they refused to do deals with his agent meant they didn't sign him last January. And that's probably in a way been the signing they, they really needed if they were looking for someone Santro up front. as
3: well, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Sancho is bizarre. In I don't even get the
1: Sancho. I don't even get the Sancho ongoing. Like Sancho's not starting, for, not playing. He's on the Dortmund squads. They've obviously left him out in the sense that Dortmund thought he was leaving and yet He's gonna stay. It's yeah. just such a
3: bizarre sequence of events. Well, they've also Sancho wasn't in the squad because he went to this Abraham's party, didn't he? And it was yeah. like a COVID, COVID again. Just football is being dumb, right? Yeah, but I think yeah, that he, was also he posted a reflection. on Instagram as well. I think that yeah. was also Apollo a reflection.
1: Dagen. I think that was a reflection of him thinking he was gone.
3: It could be. It could be one of those things. But again, that goes down to Woodward, right? like just whatever's happening with that transfer policy at Man U just isn't working. They're just getting, they're just getting. And the fact that
1: he's still, the fact that Woodward still has his job, you even looked at within the, throughout the United Spurs match and they keep cutting to him in the stands sitting by himself. And here's the thing is it's impossible to not look like a lonely figure when you're sitting in an empty stance at, at Old Trafford, with, yeah. With a mask on and there's no one within 200 feet of you. It's, like it's impossible to not look sort of desolate and and alone. But the fact that when you're doing it, when they're cutting to you, when your team is 4-1, 5-1 one, one down, and you just look and you're just staring blankly towards the pitch, I also just feel sorry for all Ole soul Solskjaer and that I don't know how good of a manager he is necessarily. He obviously is such a nice guy. (laughs) Yeah. He seems nice. And you just saw his reaction after the match. He just kind of, I feel sorry in a way for all of these United players, because I think they're undone by the fact that they grew up in the Ferguson era and it's incomprehensible for them to see players not give maximum effort on the pitch. Yeah. I think when you look at all of the people, when you look at Neville breaking down the match, or Patrice Everett even breaking down the match, all of them, when they look and they think of the United that they knew, it's just so foreign. And I'm not sympathetic to them in the night. I'm not trying to hope that United get back to their glory days, but you do have to look at that and just think as a former player, you must just think, I don't get it. Like It would have been unacceptable in the dressing room that I existed in for you to put, for you to be, and everyone signals out, uh, signals out Paul Pogba, right? And he might be the worst of them in some respects, but he's not alone. But it is impossible to imagine Paul Pogba existing in the 2003 Manchester United team, and just Roy Keane tolerating Paul Pogba existing as a passenger, kind of hovering around the pitch. It's just unimaginable. Roy Keane would have killed him
3: like Roy Keane legitimately quite might no
1: have, quite quite possibly may have killed him
3: like I, I actually think if you put Roy Keane like early 2000s Roy Keane like the kind of Vieira spat type Roy Keane in with the like kind of celebrity bunch that man you have in the dressing room at the moment I wouldn't be surprised if he killed four of them in the dressing room what
0: chance would you put for Pogba to survive. Uh,
3: he wouldn't if if Roy Keane had marked him for death he wouldn't survive. It would be he has no chance of survival.
1: I mean even now, right? I mean not even factoring in age differences. Paul uh, Roy Keane right now would just eat him for breakfast. I would love
3: to see it. He would But what's interesting about the Premier League as well because of these games like West Ham convincingly beating Leicester, Villa convincingly beating um liverpool is that fulham and west brom are gone i i I think even with fulham's deadline you say this
1: did you see did you see fulham's latest deadline deal
2: ruben loftus cheek
1: ruben loftus cheek on loan (laughs) what what is he (laughs) doing
2: but this is honestly
3: because even like newcastle look pretty decent i I think like um St. maxim and um Callum Wilson uh, look pretty good signings for them and it looks like what they need. I It doesn't feel like there's a clear bottom three, there's a bottom two. But that I actually think the, the breadth, the depth of the Premier League this season, even after four games, is not much. But it just feels like there is a true sense that everyone could beat everyone in this league at the moment. Whereas, like you were saying at the start, the top two get 90 points. They drop points in seven of 38 games and then you've got the the rest where they either lose a lot and don't draw or draw a lot and don't lose but uh, i don't i i think this will be a really good premier league I, i was looking at some of the the betting odds in a couple of weeks time after the international break so everton it's the merseyside derby so it's everton v liverpool right what odds would you give liverpool to win that game what odds would I give them, or what odds do I think it is? Well, bearing in mind, okay. So, what odds would you give them? Bearing in mind, Everton have looked good in every game. Then, there,
1: just to just to be clear, because it's at Goodison.
3: Yes, yeah, at Goodison.
1: I'd given it at Goodison. I would say Liverpool should be one to two. No, that's too too short. I would say
0: w-
2: fair but no,
1: odds. It's, it's...
0: It's not what you think. It's what you think it should be.
1: What I think it should... No, no. One to two is too short. What I think it should be is about four to five. And I'm going to guess that they are not odds on.
0: I think they're, I think they're like one to two. I agree. I think with Eddie that it should be closer
3: to odds on. I mean, it, to be fair, what I'm looking at at the moment, it, it's around eight to 13, four to five. And you've got Everton at home at 11 to four. And I just think, with the way the Premier League is going at the moment, with the complete lack of seemingly Liverpool's ability to defend, Everton's ability to score, I think things like that look insane at the moment. The kind of I, I guess, I, I, but I, I,
1: I think this weekend in a way revealed right that w- which is a topic we touched on pre-season and early on, which is Liverpool when they're missing one or two key players are not the side that they are when they have everyone fit. I'm assuming I don't know the extent actually of Sadio Mane's injury. I'm assuming he's back fit for that match.
3: I think Allison I think Allison might still be out for it. But I yeah, am not sure huge,
1: I mean because they basically ship one goalkeeping error when <laughs> Allison isn't playing. Just mm-hmm. he just passes the team, passes the opposition team yeah. the ball and just says here's a goal. But he, he, I still think uh, assuming Sadio Mane's fits i think liverpool should be cool i think they should be odds on favorites i think um I, I i also as you know i'm a big big fan of the idea of the team the good team coming off a the disappointing result i'm i'm oh that 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 goes across sports eh oh every sport the bounce back result every sport and so the idea that liverpool bounce back and that city bounce back
3: is it's
1: just there?
3: Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want a three-team bet that pays 132 to one in the Premier League?
1: <laughs> I mean, I do, but I'm so, gonna so, guess I don't. Yeah, it's, Only if okay. it wins. So yeah.
3: you've you've got Everton at home is 11 to four. Newcastle at home to Man U are 15 to four. Man U are almost one to two to win that game, and then Arsenal are 13 to two away to Man City.
1: Yeah, no, I don't, want, I don't want, to I'll be honest with you, Sam, I don't want any part of any one of the teams you picked to win there.
3: I just, okay, <laughs> go, going on to what I'm saying Sam, about the Premier Sam, League. Sam, how much,
0: how much would it be for Liverpool, United and City? Yeah, tell me, tell me, because <laughs> that, that's the bet I want, I think.
3: You can have, you can have three to one.
0: Perfect. <laughs> okay, I'll really, take that. Say, How many places you can you three instantly triple your
1: money?
3: <laughs> you would want three to one on that. I I can't see it, and it's just going back to that point that I think I think this Premier League.
1: I'm going to call it, it now. I'm going to I'm going to say it now. I'm going to declare this two weeks ahead of time. That's my bet of the week.
3: <laughs> like, your bet of the week is to bet now on something a night away.
1: I just want to actually touch on too, because I mean I know we don't usually do the roundup until. uh Till the Thursday when we do our next bet of the week, I just want to touch on my bet of the week one. Both the original, th- th- no, no, I'm not saying I'm alone, but it was my original threefold, and then the rolling over into the second stage games. Right, I'm, I'm gonna say like uh, I'm very confident. I'll roll it all over if you, if you, if you did my full. <laughs> You did my full sixfold, roll it all over into the United uh, Liverpool City threefold. Are,
3: are you taking for, Chelsea in that? Who are they playing? One to two uh, at home to Southampton.
1: No, I'll leave it out. Don't trust them.
3: <laughs> oh. He no only likes teams after I, big losses.
1: I also want to say, right, you guys, uh, you guys asked me, and, and whilst we all pick the Niners to win and cover the spread when I said roll it over and then you said you're not including the Niners in that and I said no the Niners stay away game didn't feel good about it
3: look at these humble brags forgets all the ones he doesn't mention
0: <laughs>
1: just
3: saying. the only reason he's Speed. saying
0: this is because he listens to the podcast every afternoon yeah,
1: he just loves so he to can. put it on and listen to himself like oh that was yeah. such a good one I said listen oh to yeah that. just on repeat oh. sometimes just listen to the same 15 seconds when I have a really good joke I just just go on.
0: He's gonna listen to his bane impersonation 45 times. <laughs>
2: oh yeah. <laughs> Out of the shadows.
3: Speaking of good tips for Medi, um you watch the arc? What'd you think of the race?
1: Oh, I mean, I called it months ago. I mean, success. When did I say that? Was that was when was that? May? June? I don't even know when I said it. I was it 2015? I don't know, even before Satsess was born. I don't know. But yeah, no, I think I said Satsess was gonna win and Sots won.
2: Look, it was Enable. a disappointing.
1: <laughs> it was a disappointing result. It was a disappointing result in the sense that I think that as I said to both of you, I think that Gosden and the whole team behind Enable deserve credit for throwing Enable out there fundamentally knowing that it was probably going to lose. And I wish more um, owners and trainers would kind of do the same thing, which is that they chased history, even knowing that everything was kind of going against them. And it was just like, look, even if it's a 5% chance things are going to go the way we we want in this race, the outcome of winning is far greater than the downside of losing. And when you do see now, obviously, O'Brien all of his horses in the end were removed for mm. reasons we will find out about later, but contaminated feed supposedly. But he, he, he pulled love out of it before all of that, basically fearing that, you know, while well, we're not going to ruin love's record. And I With think the they ground. just, I don't want to say, I don't want to kind of go after enable too hard because I think I wish more owners and trainers would just say, let's roll the dice and chase history
0: yeah no i, I agree with that point point. and o, o'brien is a classic annoyance when it comes to that i mean the ground will be firm, like good to firm and then it'll go from like good to firm to good and he pulls out three of his horses like oh it's not going to go on that ground he's so sensitive to things like that and and I get it. I, I guess when you have so many horses and so many opportunities, you just take them out of that one and just wait for that one race that it wins its Group One, and it's going to bump up, you know, how much money you're making in the grand scheme of things with that horse. But it's it's annoying, and I really did. I I, I also kind of respected them for just putting Enable out there. Like there was no chance it was going to win on that ground. Uh, I mean, it was it was a mess. It was awful. And I mean, you and and you saw the horses I, that did win were definitely horses that were way better suited for that. Like in Swoop, everyone was was punting in Swoop because it, it had won on heavy before, both uh, its lineage was like heavy, heavy, like all over the cards. So, you know, like, and it showed, I mean, in Swoop almost won and put in Swoop next to able on a good day. I don't think it's even that close.
1: The only thing I will so, say is, and they obviously had the stewards inquiry briefly, which didn't really matter. Both Enable and Stradivarius had their races absolutely ended at the point at which they were both being produced, and I I don't think I don't think either one of them would have won. But definitely, Enable in the end was just tailed off into fifth or sixth where it finished, and Enable probably would have been sort of you know close-ish, you know, a length off the winner if it hadn't been absolutely hampered at that key stage. So there's no it's way it's of, a length off the winner no i think when you look at five where, lengths it w- maybe well no it, was, it wasn't far off five lengths even when he stopped riding it it was
0: like 11 lengths <laughs> off the winner
1: i mean no i You're i th- i think when you look at it was traveling pretty well at the moment at which it just was completely hampered and again yeah. i don't think for Naval a horse that would think
0: it shot it was I don't that. think
1: Enable was going to win, but I do think in a sense it's a little bit of a shame that potentially that might be it's the final race of its career because right, like now there's the argument, maybe it's going to the Breeders' Cup, but then maybe the Breeders' Cup is not going to take place because the COVID and all of that. So there's that issue in play. And definitely the idea of European horses traveling there might be a slight risk. So it might be the last time we see Enable. And the fact that it didn't get... A clean run. Now, again, the the interesting thing, right, is Gosden is such a negative human being when he talks about the prospects of his own horses, and he's fascinating to listen to. But one of the things he talks about whenever he talks about the Ark is, in a field of that size, just getting a clear run already takes an element of luck. And when you look at Enable to like on Sunday, it didn't get that. So there's just
3: it should have even been a,
1: more. even if it even if it's best it wasn't going to win given the way it was hampered
3: i mean it should have been more congested right i, I mean if anything that became a small arc field yeah i was but actually yeah. really yeah, so yeah. and also o'brien's horses like serpentine and sovereign would have been front racing as well they would have been near the front i can't really I remember think the but one thing. Startle, but.
1: i do i do think this right i i kind of dismiss sovereign in a way uh, uh, sovereign might have won that race
3: a front runner who would have <laughs> handled that ground. <laughs> know, might but have never race.
1: Or Serpentine.
3: Serpentine. Yeah, or serpentine,
1: Mogul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, now here's the thing, is, too, right? Talking about that arc weekend, uh, there was one horse that did manage to achieve uh, winning a race three times, which was one master who we discussed in the pre de la Forêt. And that deserves credit because that's just in any of those races on the ARC weekend, that's an incredible achievement to have won that three times on the bounce. And also for anyone, if you're not following us on on Twitter, or in, we also tipped up uh, Princess Zoe to win yeah. the, the Cadran after talking with the owner and trainer on the Friday night who were exceptionally confident going into it. And the horse justified its confidence on the Saturday with a, in the end, quite an incredible ride to to sort of track down a leader in in such heavy conditions.
0: It was pretty impressive because I have to feel, I, I mean, maybe not, but I feel like horses are probably like humans where if they're in a race and they see something so far out in front, you've got to kind of lose that competitive edge a little. And it looked like that race was over i mean that horse had to be up what 10 lengths at one point oh, more more and then and then that that was a great ride by that jockey you have to credit that jockey for keeping that horse moving and keeping him into it and then just getting him closer and closer and closer and then once he got close enough you could tell the horse just kicked it into overdrive and just just beat him at the line it was it was a really impressive ride from someone who you easily could have thought like, Oh, that horse is done. Like, there's no way it's coming back. And it just yeah. clawed away. Like it was, it was, it was, a, it was a fun race to watch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's one of the, an enjoyable way to, to watch a horse win a race, but now, yeah, it's overall, I still think it was quite a good arc weekend, but yeah, maybe not the thrilling or best arc ever that we'd predicted, but there's always next year.
0: Next year's arc is going to be amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean, assuming now. Here's the one thing: the one interesting news coming out of the weekend was that basically Gosden confirmed that Stradivarius will be coming back for another season to try and win a fourth gold cup and basically dominate the Stayers field once again. Eddie, are they going to
0: have the Stayers Million again this
1: year? Yeah, I mean, it's just getting destroyed, right? But, I mean, you can't blame them in a way because it's difficult to see anything beating Stradivarius over the distance that it kind of dominates. So you think it has another year of of doing that. Now yeah, the I interesting, wouldn't be, I wouldn't
0: be surprised if, if an O'Brien horse starts to come into play here. Well, he had Kew Gardens and that got well, injured.
3: Santiago as well.
0: Santiago. Santiago, is that how you say that? Right, it depends if
3: it depends if he's calling it after the Chilean capital or, or like a name. is <laughs> that Ricardo mean vagina? No, Santiago. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is with Stradivarius, right? If he wins the Gold Cup, it's four. You then probably have to start thinking about leveling Yates's record of five after four.
1: Right? Yeah, that's that's the you issue. Can't stop at is four. no, that is the issue. And assuming again that no real challenger appears next season there would then be no, and here's the thing too, is right. Stradivarius probably didn't give itself the best campaign state, even though it won everything it raced over the sort of longer distances this year, probably didn't give itself the best position to win because they kind of tried to prime it for the arc. So if next year they just forget about the arc and they just say, look, we're going to chase the fourth gold cup and all of these various other, you know, two mile plus uh sort of crowns then you'd have to think if it wins all of the, all three of those in the fashion in which it won even this year why wouldn't you roll it out again for another season
3: yeah it it would be the same logic as enable right it, even if it wasn't looking as capable at the fifth time of running you go for it you go for that, that leveling of five gold cups
1: i mean if you think of how it won the gold cup this year right in the end it won the gold cup by what 10 lengths 15
0: That's- lengths some saying it was the
1: best
0: race it's ever had. Yeah, so it, uh, it, it, was, it was serious. imperious, but the Goodwood one was terrible. Oh, good word. Yeah, but
1: it could significantly tail off and still win the Gold Cup. So it's it's a tough one. Um, and there's just nothing else on the scene that looks like beating it. So, yeah, you, you've got to roll it out again. And also the, the advantage that Stradivarius has is that in the owner, uh, Nilsson, He's very adventurous, obviously, with his horses and not afraid to take on a gamble, which you can see in the sense that he's, he was insistent on Stradivarius going for the Ark in the first place. So, yeah, you can't rule out that it's here this season and even here the next. In a weird way, if <laughs> I, I almost wish Enable would be brought back for another year because there is part of me that thinks, why not? Just bring it out and see. It's probably I know they say this once this season, but as I said, like the issues with the Breeders' Cup might rule that factor out. So then why not just bring it back and see if it, it if it raises well in, in the early summer and go, Okay, that's let's, let's give it a give it a go at the arc.
0: Maybe it's tired. Maybe it doesn't want to race anymore, Eddie.
1: Well, you know, it's metabolism is it's fixed. not good anymore.
0: Give the horse a fucking break, Eddie. And like John <laughs> Goldston <laughs> likes to job. say, it,
1: it's like an old boxer, and he's winning winning races now with his mind and not so much with his quick feet. But you never know, like Muhammad Ali. Yeah, no, that he did compare it to Muhammad Ali.
0: <laughs> not the one who bought Sam's iPhone. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: At least we don't think.
1: <laughs> now I'm I'm gonna throw something. We're gonna maybe touch just on football again, because obviously we do our weekly picks and I think it's fair to say that we had the chiefs line locked in because that's kind of the rule we apply regardless of injuries or anything. So the fact that the Cam Newton not playing and the game being moved by uh, 24 hours didn't change the way we approached the game. That being said, the line moved from when we picked it, I think it was six, six and a half. And I think before kickoff today, it was 11. 11. Wow. Now we are now approaching halftime and the in running line is 5.5. So I am going to give, you don't have to, but given the current circumstances, would you have still taken the Chiefs minus eleven? Had you had to have made like if you could right now yes. take the Chiefs minus eleven, are you taking them minus eleven? The, sc- yeah. the current score is six three.
0: Oh, even with the current time. score,
1: yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, like, would you have taken them pregame, and are you taking them now minus eleven?
3: Yes, and yes. So minus eleven, knowing that Cam Newton wasn't playing
1: exactly and now look i'm I'm going to say for the purposes of our like pick and contests yes. we're still locked into the th- the thursday lines which is kind of like the way we approach it but okay yes and i'm going to say okay. right now yes now we won't c- we won't count it as being wrong if they now win but i just thought it was interesting just to put that on
3: record that yeah you know, i think and you one more score they're going to have more ball because cam newton isn't playing that would have been my logic for the yeah 11.
0: And, and and the Pats are doing exactly what we said they were going to do is try and slow down the game, limit the number of times the Chiefs touch the ball, which they have, and the Chiefs only have two field goals, which is unfortunate because they drove right down the beginning. Um, but I guess it depends on – I guess you could say it depends on if the Chiefs can get up by, like, two scores, you're going to force the Pats to start going away from that run game and throwing it, and then the Chiefs – inevitably are going to get the ball back more and be able to score more. Um, I
1: mean, the, it's worth saying, right? Having said that, the, given it the looks current like situation, the Pats are going
0: to take the lead.
1: <laughs> or at least it's 6-6 six, six at halftime, right? Yeah. Like the bare minimum, we're looking at a tied game at halftime. So you're, you're, you're saying you want to take the Chiefs minus 11 in the second half. And I'm going to say I kind of would still do that because that's just two scores. And if they score a touchdown early, that could very easily happen. But, yeah, you're, you're looking at a, a very strong likelihood that they are losing at halftime. But in the very least, it is going to be 6-6, barring a either terrible field goal attempt or a turnover. Nothing nothing better
0: than listening to a live broadcast of a game that will have ended by the time you listen to the podcast.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out here. Here's, here's what I'll say. It's the... Patriots are going to get stopped in the red zone and they're going to miss the field goal attempt. <laughs> i just going to go, just go bold.
0: Uh, all right, boys. I think that, that's a wrap, I think. Until, yeah. uh, until Thursday. I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, see ya.